It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Monday. Well, it's not happy in Buffalo, but we'll ignore that. I'm sure Russ is going to talk something about that or baseball, but uh, go ahead, Russ, with the pre-show. Yeah, I'll go with baseball. Why not? Take baseball for 200. I want to congratulate the Mets for hiring the next Stump Merrill. They did great. Um, You know, it's always good to go from rookie ball right to the majors, you know, as far as managing. As far as managing. I understand it worked out 43 years ago for Davey Johnson. I get it. And ever since then, it hasn't worked for the Mets. But this is a good formula for David Stearns to go with. The fans are certainly happy, and I, I follow suit with them. I, you know, I look at this and I say, sure, the guy could work out. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, he could work out as well as Mickey Calloway, who was a manager, or it could work out as well as Luis Rojas, who wasn't good at anything. So I've seen enough of this to know that um, they panicked. That's what happened. They, Because here's what really could have happened and probably should have happened. So when they couldn't get counsel and then they saw that some other jobs were falling, they quickly went and they got uh, Mendoza. Mm-hmm. But if they'd have waited 10 minutes, David Ross was cut loose. And they could have gotten David Ross, but they didn't. Did you do you think David Ross? Because if I remember correctly, he went from right from being a player to the Cubs manager, right? He was a catcher. He was on the twenty eighteen the 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 Cubs championship team, and I think he went right from being a player right to being a manager. I mean, mean, he's made it to the he's made it to the playoffs. He learned under Joe Madden. I don't want to upset you, Mike, or or say anything bad about the Yankees. But learning under Joe Madden and learning under Aaron Boone, yep. two different things. Yeah, but you saying something about the Yan- bad about the Yankees is like me somebody saying okay, something. So tell bad. me how great Aaron Boone is. I, I don't think Aaron Boone is the problem with the New York Yankees, Russ. So I he's good. So you'll keep him there another ten years. Yeah, I, I yes, because I I think the problem with the New York Yankees is a crappy roster and bad decisions by Brian Cashman, not Aaron Boone. Dennis, your thoughts. I mean, I think you, I think you can go both ways. I mean, Cashman's not put together a great, flexible roster, but Boone's decision making at times has been questionable at best. So I, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of blame to be passed around in the South Bronx. Yeah, I mean, you know, granted, they haven't made a world with, with the high, second highest or third highest payroll in Major League Baseball. They it, it, for the last fourteen years, they have not made a World Series. That is not exactly a recipe for success. So you know, the Mets have made the the World Series since in in that span. They didn't win, but they at least made it. And you can't win it if you're not in it. So, but I, you know, I I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad choice. I mean, I know that you know. Do I think that Stephen Cohen wanted to spend 10 million bucks 
on Craig Council, that was probably going to be the cost of him leaving that Milwaukee-Chicago corridor. And now like, he gets to keep his family an hour and a half away in Milwaukee, his daughters and whatever. Probably two place. hours in traffic, but okay, whatever. Right, but, but you know, he can he probably has, oh, he'll be with the money he's making for the Cubs. He's probably going to have his nice condo in Chicago. His family gets to stay in Milwaukee. They get to stay in school and all that stuff. I'm sorry, what's it, an hour flight from New York to Chicago? Yeah, but would would Stephen Cohen lend him lend him his uh, private plane? Like buy his own damn plane. <laughs> well, Come on, that is it's, it's ridiculous. The other thing is, I never said this before in my life, and I'm going to say it today. Uh-oh. At least I have the Jets to fall back on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's that. The- Take that in, Dennis. I'm I'm just going to say. Based on what I've seen on Twitter yesterday and today, and if you factor in a lifetime of Jets fandom, I feel like Jet fans are way too confident going into this game. This is the, this is the game yeah. where they lose thirty to ten in bizarre fashion. Like this, there's, there's too much confidence going around. Yeah, but if there's one team that's more cursed than the Jets, it's the Chargers, especially, right. especially over the last few years. I mean, you know, I Ocho mean, goes rooting for the Jets tonight. I saw it on Twitter. <laughs> great, great. You know, I mean, I think their quarterback is. I think Herbert is really good, but their coach is an idiot, and he makes bad decisions. And they seem, whenever they see, they seem to. to Grab, uh, you know, grab defeat out of the jaws of victory all the time. So, you know, if the Jets keep playing the way they play defensively and minimize the mistakes they have on offense, they have a chance. But I, I, I think the, I think the Chargers should be favored. But it's in New York, right? So that's yeah. why it, I think yeah. it's is it a pick them or like one point? So no, like that Jets are up three, I think. Okay, I think that's, that's home. Right. That's home yeah, field advantage. Oh, we'll see. I'll, I'll be checking in four field goals tonight. I'm predicting that I'll be checking in in between periods of the Leafs and lightning. Okay. Let's get started here. Hello. Hockey world. Today is Monday, November the 6th, 2023. I'm Russ Cohen from sportsology and I'm Michael Agello. And this is the hockey Buzzcast here at HockeyBuzz.com, And we are joined by our good friend, Dennis Gorman, uh, who is, been our guest on Off the Post many a time, and we'll be talking New York area hockey. But I want to start with the the news coming out of Carolina today, a little concerning about Frederick Anderson. Uh, it was just revealed about 15, 20 minutes ago that he has a blood clotting issue, and that is the reason why they uh, have brought in uh, Yaroslav Halak, former Ranger backup Yaroslav Halak, on a free agent tryout. They haven't signed him yet, but does it does sound like you know Anderson is going to be out for uh you know an undetermined amount of time but they're you know they they at least by the statement that Don Waddell put out Russ they seem confident that this is something that they can rectify but it's still well, concerning I will say this they never fully rectified it in Tomas Vokun like he came back he wasn't exactly the same I hope the technology is better so they can I mean I just watched Anderson live the other day and he actually played well against the flyers but uh there's something about this goaltending position and carolina that they it just they always seem to have trouble and there's always seems to be uh issues with it i i did enjoy and i'm sure dennis did too all these positive notations towards halak why this is a great signing and 
yeah, that may be the Halak of like three years ago. The Halak of now is a different guy. Dennis, to, to Russ's point, though, it's like, you know, there are certain teams that fail to address certain issues what the, uh, of their team, and they continue to not address it. Toronto, the Maple Leafs, it's been defense going back to Borea Salome. Um, with Carolina, it seems to be the goaltending. They have, I think, arguably the best defensive core in the league. You know, Pesci's out right now, but one through six, I think it's the best. Their forwards are really good, and their goaltending has been sort of substandard. And when they get injured, which they've done a couple times in the playoffs, it's cost them. So everybody thinks they're a Stanley Cup favorite until they rectify their goaltending. I don't think they are. I, I think that's right. Um, I thought in it, over the offseason they would make a play for Connor Hellebuck or mm-hmm. John Gibson, someone to solidify – they're goaltending because everywhere else they're they're pretty stacked. But you go back to the playoffs, you know, first round it was six games against the Islanders, and it was a very close series that probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. Second round, they had more playoff experience than than the Devils, so they were able to kind of lean on that. But then they get to the conference finals against Florida, who was riding a really hot goalie at that time yeah. and and they needed uh they needed a guy the kind of goalie to match uh Bobrovsky safe for safe and they just didn't have that and they keep running it back with Auntie Ranta and Freddie Anderson and hoping that this is the year that these guys will be able to get them over the hump and when when it doesn't happen it's like well you keep going you keep rolling sevens in until you crap out and you crap out in the playoffs. So eventually I think the thinking has to change there. Well, yeah. And, and Russ, I mean, like, like I was saying, uh, and we'll talk about other teams that have been addressed certain areas like Edmonton. We'll talk about them in a minute, but I, you know, I, I the, the weird thing is I, I, I looked at the statistical breakdown. First of all, Carolina, in spite of that defense being really good, one through six, they've allowed a ton of goals. They're, they're, the, you know, their goals against has not been good. Maybe that's reflective. I think that's a combination of the goaltending not being great and then, you know, having a, a big-time injury on the blue yeah. line. I think that's part of it. But I believe I think Anderson is the only goaltender of the three that has a save percentage over 900. Yeah. Ranta's under 900, and Kochikov, who they called up, um, is 0 and 3 with like an 836 save percentage. And that's the guy who's supposed to be the heir apparent. And they apparently don't have enough confidence in him that if one of their goaltenders goes out, they can go to Kochikov. I, I, I you know, he's been around for a few years. You would think that he would but be so young and they just don't trust him. Like that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, um, okay. So some interesting, just looking at the standings right now, I just want to go through this. Um, then start with the Rangers because eight, two and one leading the Metro um, had this phenomenal road trip, Dennis. Um, yeah. They're getting great goaltending out of not only Shesterkin, but out of Jonathan Quick, who seems to have found the fountain of youth. Um, and, and they're playing this way in spite of losing Adam Fox, in spite of losing Heedle. I mean, right now, everything is – I mean, the injuries are a concern, but right now, everything seems to be going pretty good for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, we're what, one-tenth of the way through the season, and 
they've given they've allowed the third fewest goals in the NHL, 23. Um, which I think, I mean, it's certainly a credit to the players and you know Shesterkin, but I think a lot of the credit has to go to Peter Laviolette for implementing a defensive structure in a neutral in a in structure in the neutral zone. Like they 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 are playing a trap. They're playing the one three one, but they're forcing turnovers and they have the kind of firepower to turn turnovers into goals. So, mm-hmm. you know, and which was, let's be honest, under Gerard Gallant, defensive structure, neutral zone structure was an issue. It, it wasn't didn't seem like it was there. And yeah. if you go look at the reporting following, uh, you know, breakup day after the first round series loss to uh, to Jersey. Ranger players went to Chris Drury and said, "We we need coaching. We need we need a structure. We need this. We need someone who's going who's going to push us." And which to me is a pretty damning critique of Gerard Gallant. But they went yeah. out. They got Peter Laviolette, who wasn't a who wasn't at the time the the flashy hire, but he might have been the right hire because he's coming in with a system and. And it's worked so far. Yeah, I mean, they're getting more out of Miller than they did last year, so that's a plus. Schneider's looking pretty good. But I am concerned about the injuries because the longer yeah. Shesterkin stays out, we're going to kind of see what Jonathan Quick's made of now. Like, really? Um, and that's, that's you know, that it could be great or it could be horrifying. Like, well, you don't really know. So it is good that they had that road trip the way they did. Well, I know that, I know that they placed Fox on LTIR, but I didn't yeah. hear – I didn't hear a description of how severe the, I mean, obviously he's going to be out for almost a month. The most, I of think the it's like minor knee surgery. If I guessed that would be my guess. Yeah. So, I mean, losing your best defenseman, but they, they do have enough depth with Trubo, with Miller, with Schneider that they can get through a span of that. And as long as Fox comes back a hundred percent, but Shesterkin is the, is the big concern. I mean, if he's out long-term, I mean, you're getting great goaltending out of quick right now, but you know, he is, closer to 40 than he is 20. So there's just a, there's a limit at how much they can really go with him. Now, the other team in that division that's right behind. I just wanted to say something first about the Rangers. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Did you, Dennis? I thought you were going to chime in on on something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds like with, uh, with Shisterk, it seems like it's it's just a little soreness. It's nothing. It doesn't seem like it's a very long term, but, you know, so – I think they're they're probably erring on the side of caution, but yes, you're right. If if he's out for any period of time, it changes the entire equation around around the Rangers. Right. I do want to point out because I, I wasn't sure of the age because I was really young. Jacques Plant was actually younger than Jonathan Quick is while playing for the Rangers. Just a fun fact. Oh God, was that in '65? Was that? Uh, it was that a was, little later than that. Yeah, that was it was before expansion because he went he went to the Blues. He came back yeah. out of retirement with the Blues, yeah. and then played with the Leafs. Yeah, I remember. Well, I was three when that happened. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, okay the the uh, the the Devils have been playing really well, but they um, had received a little bit of a scare when Jack, Jack Hughes slammed into the boards in that game. He's it from all indications, Dennis. It doesn't sound like it's a severe injury, but it's something that's going to keep him out at least a few days, which, I mean, that's something that they may probably consider themselves lucky that they dodged a bullet because the way Hughes was going, I mean, he's, I think, on in, in contention for the heart, the way he's playing. 
Yeah, I mean, I th- if I remember correctly, some of the reporting that just came out said he's week to week, but it's not anything that's going to keep him out long term. Long, long term. And yes, he, he was he started the season at a heart trophy pace. And you could probably make the argument uh, um, an Art Ross pace. He, I mean, he, he was putting up a ton of points, uh, was the best player on the ice pretty much every night by a substantial margin. So, yeah. And let's be honest, they're building the franchise around him, around Nico Hishier, around Jesper Bratt. But if you don't have that dynamic, Top line center who can create, yeah. It be, it be, the it becomes tougher for the Devils. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. We're also building around Luke Hughes because Luke yep. Hughes is getting like more responsibility than Hamilton, even though Hamilton still has more points, one more point. But they're definitely doing that. I don't know if they're doing it too soon, but that's what they're wow. doing. So it'll it'll be interesting. Well, I, I'll just say this because when the Sabers played the Devils, and I was saying. You're, you know, I, I watched the game and Luke Hughes is the quarterback of the top power play. And I'm like, you've got one of the best power play quarterbacks in the league in Dougie Hamilton and you're using him on the second power play. And I'm talking to one of the reporters and I says, you know, what the, what the hell is Lindy thinking? He said, they're tops in the league. They're 42% at that point. So if it works, it works. I mean, I, I grant the point. And the thing is that you're, they're losing you. They're using Luke Hughes five on five with Brendan Smith and they're using Hamilton with Siegenthaler. They would rather have Hamilton playing five on five minute, more five on five minutes and give the power play time to Hughes. And as long as their power play is working like it is, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I think it, did I see it at 43% something insane like that? Yeah. I don't know what it, what it is now, but it, when they played the same in the forties, yeah, it was in the forties. So, um, Dennis, let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is the pathetic nature of the New York Islanders. Because as much as much as I love Sorokin, I think he's one of the top two or three goaltenders in the league. They're going to make the playoffs on the back of Sorokin because, the, again, what we were talking about about Carolina and their goaltending. Well, that goes with the Islanders and their offense, which means it's not non-existent. But it's just not good enough. And for the, for them to have the aspirations that we think that they have, they just don't score enough. No, no, they don't. And the last game they played uh, Saturday against, and I'm blinking on, uh, blinking on, uh, it was Carolina Saturday. Yeah. Carolina out attempted them 100 to 34, I believe was, is, was the. Oh, wow. And, uh, in the last five games, you know, uh, my friend Joe Pantorno of AM Metro was telling me Sorokin's faced 40 shots in each of his last five games. And just he's he's under siege. And the problem is with with Lane Lambert, when he came in, the idea was he was going to keep Barry Trotz's defensive system in place, but open it up a little more offensively. The problem is Going back to last year when they had that awful January when they were not scoring goals and they were losing games, he got to the point where he had to dial it back. Their, their willingness, their, their offensive attack because their goaltending was under siege. So it's, it's the same issue now. They haven't really fixed it in any meaningful way. I mean, they – they're, they obviously believe in Bo Horvat, but 
he didn't practice today. Um, and it's not known if he'll play tomorrow against the Wild. So at practice today, Matt Barzell slid to center and uh, Ollie Wallstrom was on his right wing. And so, okay. But Lane Lambert said, look, you know, I want him to use it. said, when we asked him about it, I want him to use his shot. I want him to use his shot. Wallstrom said he wants to use his shot. But the problem is, you know, when he gets those opportunities, I don't know if, if it's Casey, he hasn't grasped them or, you know, or if the coach doesn't have faith in him because I know last time he was, he was in the lineup for a couple of games. He was on the third line with uh, JG Peugeot and he immediately got dropped to the fourth line. And, and he wasn't getting a lot of minutes. Was not getting a lot of minutes. And it's hard. I think if you're a guy who's touted as a goal, goal scorer, a sniper, to all of a sudden put up numbers when your centers are J.G. Peugeot and Casey Sezakis, you know, and yeah. you're getting eight minutes a night. It's, you know, you, you've got to give the guy some kind of meaningful minutes. I have well, some I, Islander stats. Sorry, Mike. Um, so for goals for, they're 26th in the league, not a surprise. Um, for power play, 22nd in the league, not a surprise. Um, for assists, 27th in the league. Shooting percentage, 25th in the league. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen them play twice this year against the Sabres. They were lucky to win the game in uh, in New York. Uh, Sezika scored a third-period goal. And uh, they got, you know, I, I, Buffalo was the better of the two teams when they played here about a few days later. So, I mean, but the, the same problems – I mean, if you're expecting Pierre Engvall to score, and I like Pierre Engvall as a player, but if you're expecting him to score 20 goals, you're you're in you're in deep trouble. I mean, I, I honestly think I'm surprised because they've used Horvat and Barzell on the same line. I'm surprised they're not using them separately because they need a one-two punch offensively at center, and I just don't think they're getting enough enough offense to you know it's going to be hit or miss. You know what Dobson's their leading scorer, Mike. Yeah, no, it's their 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 offense is terrible. I mean, it's it's it. Yeah, you know, I keep saying it, and I think it's going to cost them. It they may sneak in, but I don't think they're going to beat anybody in the first round if they if. But they're, wait, but wait, Zach no. Parisi will get signed <laughs> one of these weeks, right, Dennis? That spring yeah. chicken. Yeah, and I think a lot of people thought, okay, that, that the that the Islander that Lambert and the Islanders coaching staff would split up. Horvat and in Barzell, but the problem is Brock Nelson's a center, and he's actually been their best offensive center in terms of goals, assists, points, and mm -hmm. they don't, and they really don't want to break up that second line with Engvall and Kyle Palmieri. And it's 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 the benefit of having five pretty good centers and not nearly enough uh, capable wingers. Yeah, and maybe, maybe, you know, and again, I look at their salary structure and I think they have six or seven players making five million or more and not enough money devoted, not enough money devoted to their blue line, which, you know, I think is, is okay, but it's not great. Uh, but really they, they need, they need snipers and they don't have enough. So one other, one other thing for yeah. Dennis, Romanoff has no points. Is that because of the role they're making him play? Cause I get, he could play physical. But he also can score if you actually let him, or at least create scoring chances. 
Yeah, he's part of uh, the the shutdown pair with Ryan Pulak. So they're getting now Ryan Pulak with yeah. a ninety-eight to ninety-nine mile an hour shot is a shutdown guy. Because look, when I when I saw him drafted, I said, you know, he's got an elbow like Chris Pronger. I get it, but he's still an off a guy with tremendous offensive ability. Yeah, and they've just kind of made them um, kind of the shutdown pair. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pelik is with Dobson and. And at least in practice today, the third pair was Samuel Bolduc with Sebastian Ajo, and and Mayfield. Mayfield still Mayfield's out. Mayfield's so yeah, yeah. Uh, he was uh, he played Mayfield played the last game and oh, today, okay. he, he played against Carolina, and today Lambert said it was a maintenance day. So okay, okay. all right. Um, just want to touch around on a couple couple teams here. Um. Russ, my favorite subject, the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. And yeah, Wait, I, you're going to do that after 10 games? Yes. Yes. When, when you have two of the best players in the league in Dreisaitl and McDavid, and you're two seven and one, and you've given up 41 goals against, and your goaltending sucks which I've said, you know, I mean, I like Skinner. And if, 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 it's a, if it's a choice between Skinner and Campbell, I'm going Skinner every day, including Sunday. But the problem is their defense isn't that good, and they're exposing these goaltenders. Uh, you know, they're giving up lots of good chances. They're not getting uh, good performances out of either one. Um, you know, McDavid was out for a week. They, you know, that sort of started them down the down slope. Then he comes back and they can't score enough goals to win any games. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just like, this is a flawed roster. And, uh, I don't know if it's coaching or if it's just a multi-system failure, Dennis, but I look at this team and I'm like, what a waste of talent because there's some talent there, but just, they've never put it together. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how is the play? <laughs> um, yeah, again, the, the, I think of them kind of in the same boat as Carolina. They've never really figured out their goaltending. They're a team to me that the pl the plan is to outscore their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that I think that works in the regular season, but it doesn't work in the playoffs, especially when you go deep deep in the playoffs and you start playing against teams that have good goaltending or have a structure. And, um, and right now, I mean, let's, let's say they fired Jay Woodcroft, mm -hmm. which, could the coach, which could happen. Who is the coach that can come in right now, implement a structure that is good enough to get them back in the playoff mix in, in the West? Well, I'm, you know, there are going to be Oilers fans that will say Joel Quenville, and then you're dealing with a whole new setup. Yeah, that's not happening. Joel Quenville's not happening. Mike Babcock's not happening. So forget well, the Babcock, definitely not. But Quenville. But, but, no, I well, they they Ellie Friedman on the on their podcast today said now that there's this this new investigation going on regarding uh, a a black ace on the 2010 team and allegations. Now that that's come up there's probably no chance in hell that the, the, the NHL would uh, give approval for Quenville to, uh, you know, to uh, take a job. So uh, that's, that's not going to happen, but okay. Randy said Daryl Sutter. Well, yeah, there you go. Elaine Vigneault, uh, uh, Claude Julien. I mean, 
there are veteran coaches out there that could. I'm telling you, there's still Patrick Wah. I know he's being talked about in Ottawa. Ottawa but yeah. He could get talked about in Edmonton too. I, I don't see why Edmonton would say, no, we can't have Patrick Wah. Like, give. I mean, I'm not telling you he's a good coach, but I'm just saying there is no question he will command some respect early on and change things. Now, whether it's going to be good or not, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you he's going to do that. I feel bad for Woodcroft because Woodcroft has been preaching defense, preaching defense, preaching defense, and honestly, both goaltenders have let him down. So it doesn't matter. It's like because I've watched them, and there's a mental fragility that exists on that team where if they go down two goals or three goals, they feel like that's it, game's over, even with the offense they have. Russ, a very quick question. If they hire Patrick Wall, will he be a player coach? Because clearly he was a goaltender. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how old Freddie is if he wants to bring in Freddie as a uh, – no, I'm kidding. Um, Freddie has had a good temper, though. Um, Freddie Wall. Yeah. yeah, I know who you're talking oh, about. Okay. Um, but, no, no, I was, but, no, the funny thing is is that uh, Patrick in his 50s is probably a better goalie than Jack Campbell is right now. No, but, you know, there is something to be said. Like, could he pass on some knowledge that, you know, a great goalie could? It, it, I mean, it, at this point, they have to be desperate for anything because, again, it wasn't just me that said they could make it to the conference finals. There was a reason we all said that because Skinner looked good last year. So there's like, okay, there's some hope there and all the other assets that they have on the team. Yeah, and and things looked like they were coming together a little bit in the sense that they traded for Ekholm and with Ekholm and Bouchard and Nurse, you have a a top half of your blue line, which is decent. The problem is the second half of the blue line is terrible. And defensively, it's not on just the defense it's right. like it's like with toronto it's it's got to be a five-man defensive unit playing out there and when you don't do that and you give up chances the other way and you have subpar goaltending it's gonna end up in the back of your net and that's just that's just reality so i i like they may pull out of this and with mcdavid and dry you know they put the team on their back and they'll start winning they're just never gonna win a Stanley Cup with this flawed roster, no matter what they do. I just feel like they have to bring in, <coughs> excuse me, a big personality. I feel like that may be the only thing that gets these guys' attention. I well, don't know. Ryan Reeves is available for us. Ryan Reeves, listen, don't get me started, Mike. I told you it was a terrible sign-in. You were like, but they could bury it. And it's like, okay. Right. So why do you waste the money to begin with or the but roster? It's, it's, not, it's not wasted. It's, first of all, it's, it's not, not my money. It's the Leafs' money. And second right. of all, it's not wasted because if they if if it's a complete disaster, they can send them to the minors. And it's wasted. Russ, it's not. I mean, okay, if he actually – They didn't pay him at all this year. If he actually did the job that he was signed to do – I mean, anybody could watch him for the last year and realize that that was not going to happen. Yeah, okay. I told you, I think Bradshaw Living hired him undercover, like basically to cover himself to say, all right, we have a tough guy now, not realizing that this guy's passed it. Well, I really no, feel I, like that's what he did. Well, I mean, you know, if that's the case, then Bill Guerin was the, doing the same thing because he offered him a two-year deal. Um, but Dennis, I mean, you, you're you're aware of Reeves' act with the Rangers, and they promptly dispatched him to Minnesota when basically even Gerard Gallant, the guy who would normally play somebody who plays Lake Reeves, couldn't play him because he was such a liability. 
so far this year, as a fourth liner, he's been on the ice for nine goals, two of them included in the in the, uh, the game against uh, Buffalo on Saturday, and on the ice for zero goals, four. So it's not great. And, <laughs> and look, you have a Ryan Reeves on your team to be the deterrent, right? Except what did he deter against Boston? You know, Brad Marchand wasn't afraid to take uh, Timothy Logren into the boards, you know, and, you know, I know that uh, I know Reeves said, you know, I wasn't able to get because Boston had last change. He wasn't able to get on the ice with Marchand at the same time. But in what universe is Brad Marchand ever going to drop the gloves with Ryan Reeves? No. He's not no. going to do that. He'll he'll take the punch to the face. He'll take the he'll take the he'll take the punch to the face to get the power play. He's but he's not going to fight the guy. And right. So he's not gonna he's not gonna fight him. But the and and maybe maybe uh, maybe Brad Marchand is unintimidatable. Maybe yeah. you know you you know that he's he's the exception to the rule. But most players out there, when Reeves is like doing his sort of mau mau act and he's thrown his weight around, would give second thought to to doing something relatively cheap, which I thought Marchand did with it was with a can opener right along the boards, and Lilligren's probably out for about a month to six weeks with a high ankle sprain and the Leafs are in, in their situation with their defense. They could not afford to lose Lilligren on top of losing Timmons on top of losing McCabe. So, you know, it, it makes the Leafs look vulnerable, but my, my issue right now is greater than just that just Reeves, because like I said, he's making 1.3 million. And if it's, if it's a bust, they can, they can send him to the minors and you know he's not going to retire. He'll, that's money in the bank. Uh, he's you know he'll he'll go and play for the Marlies for two years. My problem right now with the Leafs is if your name is not Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, or Morgan Riley, so that's the core five. The rest of the team, the rest have scored seven goals. Yeah, that's right. it. That's bad. I mean, are we willing to admit? Because I felt like this was happening in Detroit. That Tyler Bertuzzi is a bit overrated. Well, I mean, okay, he 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 was not overrated when he played for Detroit. He played well last year. He he played great when he got traded to Boston. Right now, it just doesn't seem like he didn't fit with the Matthews line. Now they're putting Matthew Nyes on the top line. He didn't fit. He so far, it's been an okay fit with Tavares and Neander, but he's not really having the effect that. I mean, we consider Tyler Bertuzzi. You know, a physical forward. He's not even doing that. He's not really hitting that much. So it's like, so all the guys that they brought in, I mean, John Klingberg is John Klingberg. He's not good defensively, but he's a good offensive defenseman. Got a big shot from the point. He's got to play the power play. Max Domi, um, they're moving him to center. I think that's a mistake, but they're doing it because they're not getting any secondary offense. They're doing that tonight against Tampa. And Bertuzzi has had a tough time fitting in on on any line prompting one Toronto Porter to to reference Nick Ritchie Russ which I said a couple weeks ago. I mean well, the only difference is Nick Ritchie was making 4 million less. Like that No, the only you know, no, the difference was Nick Ritchie was signed to a 2-year deal and Bertuzzi was signed to a 1-year deal. Yeah, but at 5.5 million for a cap strap team, he did does need to come through. He's yeah. only averaging two shots on goal a game, Mike. 
But this is see, but again, here is the issue. Nobody told him to stop shooting, right? No, no, and that see that that's the thing. It's like I mean, what they're saying right now is well, he's having a difficult time, sort of. An, uh, understanding the the concept of Toronto's offense. How about this? Go to the front of the net, and Matthews or Tavares will get the friggin' puck to you. That's a there's the concept. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not tough. I mean, I'm I'm not a hockey player, but you know, geez, these guys are creative, and they get the puck to you. Go to the front of the net, and they'll get the puck to you. But then, is my my issue with this again? This is along the lines of Carolina. The Maple Leafs, their problem over the last three or four years, well, going back probably most of this century, but, uh, you know, going back to when they traded for Brian Leach back in 04. Oh, please. You had to bring that up. But no, but Russ, he was good when they got him. He He was. you know he was still he was still a very good defenseman, and they, you know they don't they don't have a problem doing that. Like okay, Giordano for making eight hundred thousand dollars is a very good defenseman. He's not yes. the defenseman he was three or four years ago, and but he's being forced to play twenty minutes a night, and he's a former Norris Trophy winner. So they would take a couple more Mark Giordano's. The problem is they have invested, let's see, twelve million dollars in Bertuzzi, Domi, and Klingberg. That money could have been invested in Matt Dumba or other defensemen, right. and they just don't do it. I don't get it. This well, team- okay, but we all knew, I don't think anybody, you included, were a fan of Klingberg's play. No, I, I, was a, I was a fan of one thing, him being a point guy in the power play and having a big shot. And, he, and, and the thing is, the power play runs through Nylander and Matthews. Yeah, so they go how- right to Matthews the minute the puck. I noticed that too. Right. So it's like, I mean, yeah, his big shot – is if you actually let him use it, it would be good. But no, that, that that's and and if you're depending on him to play 20 minutes a night, his defensive in, inadequacies are always showing. But no, it, it, I I look Dennis and from an outside perspective because Russ and I talk about the Leafs every day, every week. Um, they may make the play. Not by choice. I wanted to say it's not by choice. Yes, me. I know. Yeah, I I I foist it upon you, Russ. Um. They may make the playoffs. They may win a round, but this team will never win the Stanley Cup with Morgan Riley being their number one defenseman. And Morgan Riley's good, but they don't. He's a number two on a Stanley Cup winning roster. He's a number one on a team that can't win the Stanley Cup. Morgan Riley is to the 2023 2024 Toronto Maple Leafs what Ryan McDonough was to the 2013 2014 New York Rangers. Okay. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, McDonough was a better defensive defenseman than Morgan Riley, but they were both number two defensemen asked to be number ones. Right. And, and you know, as you said, looking at Carolina, and we can even extrapolate it to Edmonton, they keep making the same mistake over and over again, not correcting it, hoping that this is the year that the problem finally solves itself. And I think eventually you have to figure out a way to solve the problem. And, is it, do you trade Tavares? Do you trade Nylander? You know, do you trade Marner? I mean, do you really, you know, bite the bullet and try to move Matthews for whatever you, for a lot? And I don't know, I don't know what they do, but. Something to point out too, if I have my year right. Um, You know, I covered that game seven at the Garden, Dennis, and I'm sure you did too, if that was 2013-14. No, 2015. 2015. 
He lost to Tampa, yeah. Right. right. So, like, once McDonough couldn't skate, right, and he went in after – and I texted someone. I said, this series is over. And so my basic thing is you can't have that much reliance on one guy on the blue line. It's never yes. good. Right. No. And, and McDonough is, you know, as proof of what he did with Tampa for the two years that they won. He was a great number three or number two on those cup winning lightning teams. But as a number one, especially later in his career, when he it wasn't as good offensively um, as he was probably back when he played for the Rangers. I mean, he was decent offensively, not great offensively. Um, but yeah, no, no, they, 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 they cannot win. They cannot win a Stanley cup with the defense as it's currently constructed. And I wanted to talk about this before we end the show. Uh, one thing that Elliot Friedman brought up on the, the podcast that's been being talked about in regards to Edmonton and regards to Toronto and any team that's looking for defensemen is apparently Calgary, even though it's 11 games into the season since they're three, seven and one um, they've sort of, they've shut down contract negotiations with Hannafin and Lindholm. Uh, they have three, Rental free agent defenseman in Tanev, Zadorov, and Hannafin, and there's talk about them shopping them. And Dennis, I don't know any team that's looking for defensemen. I mean, you're not going to get a ton for Zadorov, but he's a decent four, probably four or five. You're going to be calling Craig Conroy and saying, "What do you want?" And you know, yeah. there's going to be a lot of offers for those guys. Yeah, Calgary. You know, if if you're Calgary. You're kind of you're in a really good position right now because you can kind of start bidding wars on your on your defenseman and maybe you don't get a ton back f- for one, but if you get enough back for the lot of them, you can maybe start a little bit of a rebuild. I mean, the biggest issue for them, I think, is whatever has gone on in that organization the last few years, they have to figure out what it is and kind of correct it. And I, I don't I know. Agree. I have breaking news. This will cause a spark. Tomorrow, I think they said either tonight or tomorrow. I just missed it. I think it's tomorrow because they have a doubleheader. Chris Chelios will be debuting on TNT. Oh, he's left. He's I, he's left ESP. Wow. Wow. And we didn't love him on on ESPN. No. Now on TNT, maybe he'll have a better chance to yeah, shine. Maybe. Yeah, when when he's getting out personality by Mark Messier, you know something's wrong. Um, yes, I, Chris Chelios is part of that team now. Oh boy! Well, all I can say is Paul Bissonnette was on Hockey Night in Canada this Saturday. I didn't get a chance to listen to him because I was at the the Sabers Leafs game, and I the, they wouldn't turn the volume up so I could hear what he was saying, but. Um, so I've, you know, it's, it's sort of dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, Russ, that was yeah. here. Like, no, it's what's next. What's next? Uh, Gretzky going to ESPN. So it'd be Gretzky. I don't know. I don't know. Ryan uh, Callahan's there. Maybe Dan Girardi goes there. I don't know. <laughs> He's coaching with the Sabres. <laughs> I know. Or, or maybe the Sharks win a game. You know. Wow. <laughs> you know, Flyers fans are worried about that tonight. Like they are. I understand like Drew Fawcett in the said that he was worried. I get it. I think the Flyers, if they were smart, would play a tight-to-the-vest defensive game against San Jose so you don't make the dumb error so you could overcome the possible choke there because I do think there is a possibility for that, but I think there's a way to coach your way around it because the Sharks are eminently beatable. Well, I, I, I don't know when the Sharks play the Leafs, but we know the Leafs uh, pe- penchant for 
uh, losing to the lesser lights of the league. And I'm just looking here. They don't play them until, oh boy, January. So hopefully they have a win by then. They'll have, I guarantee they'll have another win before January. Dennis, thanks for joining. And we really appreciate it on short notice. We'll definitely have you again. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, that, that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Dennis Gorman, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.